And we're live with our 229th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on X and uh, probably Mastodon too, I think. Um, Seth, say hi. Hey, hey everyone. Uh, welcome back to another episode. I'm still convinced that, you know, Musk bought Twitter, renamed it to X just to mess with Ken's uh, introduction, um, just to throw us off, off every single week, right? Welcome back to another year of Absolute AppSec. Uh, Ken and I are excited. We have a lot of plans this year. Um, we've got a lot of ideas about how to grow the community, to make things better, to involve more people, and to just in general give back, right? Um, I think those of you that haven't listened or haven't listened to the uh, um, the initial versions of the podcast or the initial episodes, um, Ken and I started this just as a way for us to catch up, to talk about security stuff, right? Like what we talk about on almost a daily basis or at the time was on a daily basis after going through some uh, security drama. And um, it's grown from there, right? Like super excited to to just see the community. I'm always amazed at the number of people that we have in Slack on a daily basis that are, you know, generating conversations that Ken and I aren't even involved in um, or don't even get to. On a daily uh, it's a great thing or... to actually see. Oh wow! Um, Sorry, Ken's screwing with YouTube on the in the back end. But as you, I mean, as you can tell, right? Like this is very much a hobbyist podcast. We're, uh, you know. We do this because it's interesting to us. We talk to interesting people and it, it moves things. I, I feel like it moves the needle forward. Um, so appreciate everyone listening. I guess that's, you know, that's where we're starting out the year, Ken. I know we didn't necessarily plan this, but um, <laughs> just super appreciative that it's still a thing, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't know if we ever thought it would go this far. No. Yeah. I, I was just trying to find out like how, how long ago we started. Our first episode aired on January 9th, 2018. So in seven, in a week, exactly, we'll be at uh, six years on air. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, anyways, I thought that that's cool. Yeah. Six yeah. Years of it is. Talking about this stuff. <laughs> I, you know, the thing that I struggle with personally, right? Like, you know, uh, maybe it's my gray hair coming out, right? Like is, remembering who's actually been on the podcast at this point, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. we meet people and I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, we had you on a couple of years ago, right? Like, you know, especially in the face-to-face, -face, right? Like the whole COVID era, pandemic, you know, we, oh, yeah. we talked to so many people and we've talked to so many people up to this point um, that it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, I guess, to actually like spin through all of that. Um. Yeah, but out, outside of that, 229, that's pretty awesome. The, the numbers keep going up. We have more and more people that are participating. And I know like people have dropped in and drop out as well, right? The community kind of, you know, grows organically. Um, we don't do a lot of promotion or anything like that. I, you know, I've, I've teased it out a few times that we do want to get some sort of a, um, of backing uh, figured out, right? Like whether that is sponsorship, whether that is the listeners can buy some swag, um, we've got ideas around that, um, how we can actually make that happen. I mean, if any of our listener, listeners have built that out in the past, we'd be, you know, appreciative or we'd be open to suggestions, right? Um, I know we could, you know, take specific sponsorship dollars. The sponsorships up to this point have been 
you know, dry run as Ken's, uh, you know, showing his t-shirt right there and red point basically, um, you know, our two companies yeah. that, you know, just because we put time into it, right. That's been the only real like quote unquote sponsorship that we have. Um, but if you're interested in going further than that, uh, and you know, want us to, yeah, promote your name, promote your business, let us know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Ken, uh, what else? What else do you want to usually catch in? up before we yeah. jump online? But we didn't. We didn't do that this time. We uh, so we, yeah. so we decided we we do our our catch up with uh, on life uh, real time since neither of us have talked to each other. A couple weeks, holidays, and whatnot. Um, so I figure, yeah, what, let's let's start with you. How were your holidays? What'd you do? What did we do? I don't know. I'm I'm ready for the kids to go back to school, I guess. I don't know <laughs> at this point. Um, I mean, it was mostly a lot of family stuff. Uh, like we've been doing, you know. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a ton of snow. Like typically I ski, right? Like, you know, where I'm out in Utah, that's the, you know. But this year the snow has not been great. And so it's been hard to justify taking the day, spending the money, like taking five people up and going when it's just like, yeah, it's okay. Right. Like, um, so we haven't done that as much. Uh, it's been more of kind of, you know, my, my daughter's back from college. She's got a friend that's visiting. It's been a lot of late nights and just, uh, you know, I, almost just kind of family time. I don't, I don't know. Right. Like, you know, uh, it's been kind of nice to disconnect a little bit, um, not pay as much attention to security stuff. It's always, you know, hard to fully disconnect, at least in my, you know, in my own brain. Right. Um, but that's, that's really been it. I mean, there hasn't been anything, you know, super like of note, which is nice. You know, I've, I've had dramatic breaks in the past, but uh, this one's been pretty low key. What about you? Well, follow up for you, actually. What's it feel like to be out of Q4? What's that? The oh. fog has lifted, right? <laughs> the fog or, has is lifted, it done? Yes. Is it, or are you dealing with like residual reports or stuff? Or is it like done? Uh, there's a couple of residual reports, but it's nothing like it was like we kind of finished up the uh, that week before uh, the holiday break. Right. Um, at least all of the big projects dropped off. Uh, we delivered most of those. Um, and so it, like at this point, I'm like, oh, crap. Right. Like, that's right. Uh, you know, I've been feeling more like a normal person. It was a nice, like I was saying, right, to be able to disconnect and not have to worry about, hey, there's like these four reports or this like this that has to get done, these checklists that have to be, uh, you know, stepped through. Um, I'm rare, you know, I'm ready to get back at it, basically, is what it, what's happened, right? Like, it's amazing what a couple week break will do, um, especially like integrating, you know, some of the stuff that you and I have talked about, like integrating AI into the process. Um Right. Like we've done preliminary work there, but it hasn't been as extensive as I would like it to be, mainly because I was in the midst of, uh, you know, yeah, running ragged, basically. So, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I'm excited to get you, back you, to it. But, you really were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you're I meaning like you're just like const. I mean, I, you're always online, always working. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Yep. Yeah. And uh yeah, I'm I'm happy for you that it's over. I, I know a, a couple other friends, mutual friends of ours, kind of they're they're feeling the same thing. They're, they're you know consultancies. They're like glad that's done, but you know obviously <laughs> there's always that other thing where like yeah cool Q one's a little slow, and then Q two you're like oh, all right well time to back turn to it. it. Yeah, 
it's always it's always something. It's, it's a hard it's a hard road, but a, a rewarding one uh, at times yeah. for sure. It is. I mean, you know, when you're running a small business, right? Like anytime that people are paying you, it's a good thing. Um, and you kind of have to you have to deal with the peaks and the valleys as it as it happens and plan it out, which is fine, right? Like it's you know it's it's all part of what what you sign up for when you're you're a part of that, that community or about part of the consulting world. Um, even if you're just working for a consultancy, right? Like that's, that, that's pretty typical. I mean, I remember even back in our days when we were at Fishnet, right. Um, where you and I were not in charge, right. Whatsoever. And, no. you know, Very but you not. would feel that, pre- you would feel that pressure, right? Like that the salespeople don't have things for you to do. What am I supposed to do now? in like, you know, February when there's not a lot going on, or they're asking you to work, you know, 80 hours a week in December because, you know, the salespeople promise people stuff or promised client stuff. And I can know. promise you, I never had an issue with too much downtime. And the one time <laughs> yes. I did, it wasn't an issue. It was the, we, this was back before mobile security was like a popular thing. It was right as it was, we were like early, early days. So put together some, I don't know if you remember this, it's like a 40 or 50 page Android security model breakdown, like what we should be looking for in apps, stuff like that. A long mm-hmm. time ago, but that, but that's like, that was the downtime, you know, there wasn't like there, there. Yeah. I think I was pretty consistently like one thirty, one forty uh percent uh, billable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there were, yeah. I mean, but you were a hot commodity too. Cause you, you came in with the, uh, you're a principal and you had way more skills than I had. Um, so they kind of used you uh, for everything more than just, uh, you know, I was an assessment uh, yeah. robot. You were, uh, you know, trainer, uh, sales, marketing, uh, consulted on some of that stuff uh, and statements of work and, you know, code review, everything under the sun, essentially pen tests, lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Li- life hasn't changed that much, Ken, right? Like, you know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah it's nah. a- yeah, yeah. Happy New Year's as well to you, Charles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. like. Uh, so what, what did you do over the break? Uh, you know, you, you, you're talking about me. I'm grabbing my coffee here, too. Well, let's see. I mean, honestly, like no one asked this of me, but, you know, it's, you know how it goes when you own your own business. Right. Like for me. So like our product right now does uh, a few things I wanted to do. Um, but the main core engine of it needs to be code analysis, right? So like, you know, we've talked about some of the stuff it checks for, like sensitive function checks and sensitive file checks. And those checks run independent. And uh, there's a reason for that because I'm trying to tune each one of those before aggregating, you know, hey, you're touching a sensitive file, potentially sensitive function. We've got, you know, maybe like an AppSec vulnerability sprinkled in there. And then, hey, maybe somebody who's never committed to the repo, all these different checks that need to be tuned for accuracy. But the main thing is the the code analysis. So um, knowing that needed to be done and knowing that was like the only time I could go heads down, that's pretty much all I did is uh, I don't want to use open AI. I don't um, because, you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the news with, uh, I, you know what? It's political and all that stuff, but people are worried about using OpenAI for a variety of reasons. Whether it's you know rumors of business cases being use cases being you know taken, cribbed, or uh, just having your code or your information sent out to some 
fast uh, data bank that's not yours. Can't do that, right? So I, I spent the majority of my time um, getting my own LLM working uh, for code analysis and uh, made it work, but man, it took up all my time. And tell you what, I've learned a lot about um, the AI space. It's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, I say that it's what I mean is it, it, it's not that the like, yeah, the technology is interesting. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like the uh, the ecosystem is a strange one, man. It's a fast moving. Everybody's kind of racing to try and get stuff out. Um, and it is it is a very like just one example would be. Uh, so I've talked before about Langchain and I was like, well, if you need to like get something up fast, you know, that's a good way to go. And it's true. It is like if you need to get like a basic example going, it's pretty great. But you know, if you look on Reddit, you'll see a lot of the same complaints that I have, which are the documentation is really just like surface level. Um, there's too mm -hmm. many options and too many examples when you go through it to really make sense of what's happening. Also, it's an abstraction layer on top of LLMs, right? So the idea is like, you know, because when you when you interact with like, say, uh, an LLM, you want to send maybe um, a system prompt to tell it how to behave and maybe a different prompt, a user prompt for like the, the you know, whatever question you're going to ask and how you want that answered or whatever it might be. Um, Langchain will, you know, format like the right, uh, like the, the sys and inst like tags correctly and just handle all that stuff for you. So you don't have to say like, Oh, you, let me wrap this prompt with these tags and this part of the prompt with these other tags. And if you need to have a follow on thing, uh, like, like a few shot prompt kind of, kind of thing, or even a chat history, whatever, like, you know, yeah, you don't have to do that. It does it for you, which is pretty awesome. Great. But mm -hmm. the problem is that because it's abstracting all that stuff, it's actually really hard to understand what's going on. Um, you have to dig really into the code and then to get like help on the internet, it's like not super easy. It's also because it's super, super new. Yeah. Um, and then like, um, you know, one thing that wasn't very obvious and still isn't. So if you're using Langchain or want to use it, actually you should listen to this part. Um, so a lot of their documentation shows, you know, setting up chains using what I now know is the old way of doing it in LinkChain, which has like mixed results because it's not really the supported way of doing it anymore. Uh, and so their documents are a bit fractured. So it, it does discuss the new way of doing it, but it's not obvious that you need to use LCEL. It's like a LangChain expression, expression language, I think is what that stands for. Okay. Um, and this is just, by the way, one tiny part of the ecosystem I'm, I'm talking about with Langchain. But anyways, you, you, to chain things together now, you use this LCEL pipeline. It's actually pretty neat. But, you know, when you get into it, you, you get to a point, I got to a point where you get frustrated and you're just sort of like, I want to go to the lowest level and just deal directly with all this stuff. I don't even want to use an abstraction layer. And that's yep. one thing right there. You know, you've got all the other, I mean, I think the hay, there's like a haystack and... Um, there's another major one I'm forgetting that are like the same kind of thing with Langchain. But then if, again, going back to the Reddit threads, if you go on there, you'll see everybody sort of just uh, saying like, um, well, I didn't like either of those three options. So I built my own thing and I built my own thing and I built my own. Thing. So now on GitHub, there's like a ton of people that are building their own sort of abstraction layers to inconvenience things for, for AI. So that's just one part I could go off forever on a tangent. I don't want to spend the whole time on that, but that was kind of my break was like, uh, just working, um, but only because like I really, I really love it and don't want to use OpenAI. <laughs> pretty, mm -hmm. pretty much a stick in the mud on that one. Um, no, I, I want to have control too because you know the thing is yeah. too. Sorry, the last thing I'll say is just you can't you can't train it right. Like everybody says, 
anytime you look at people talking about training, like the uh, OpenAI LLM, all they're talking about is using RAG in a database to score the results and then like basically produce the right documents using RAG to give to the LLM. So it's not really training it per se in like a, the training sense. It's more of still using RAG to like yeah. say this was a better answer than this one. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So anyways, you want finer control, fi finer grained guarantees, privacy protections, all that stuff. You got to host your own. Yep. Well, and I, I mean, that's going to be the interesting. Uh, we, uh, where, where do I want to go with this? That's been the the discussion point that we've had multiple times, right? Like it, um, the, the idea of privacy under the hood, like making sure that whatever it is that you're giving. And this is where I like I've struggled, you know, with the with the code perspective and what we've done up to this point is um, I mean, I we haven't built out our own models yet. Right. Like we we don't have control of the complete ecosystem. And so I am not comfortable giving anything but open source code to open AI right. to analyze. So, I mean, it, it's super cool if it's an open open source project and we're starting to ask, right. or, ask it questions and that works. Right. But the second that it's client code, it's stuff that I am you know obligated to protect, you know, financially and via like legal contracts, like I, I, I can't trust it. Right. Like I don't have assurances that, um, it's not going to end up biting me at some level, especially when it's code that I don't own. Right. Um, mm. and that is, so, you know, from a business perspective, that's kind of where I've been going is man, open AI, like, like there's definitely like advantages here, but until I can set up my own environment, like you're doing right. Like, and I have, yeah, I have com complete control of those knobs and of what's actually going where, um, even if it's being abstracted out, right? Like if I know that, then there's, you know, there's some level of, all right, there's protections built into it that I'm not releasing, you know, code, especially not my own code to a service that I don't know what it's doing with it. Right? Um, you know, I mean, we kind of have the same, you know, discussions. Anytime we use a third party, anytime you use a SaaS solution, that's what they start asking is what are the, what are the dependencies of your SaaS solution? Where are you sending this to? Um, you'll see this in a lot of risk questionnaires as well. And if I can't answer that with a proper, with a, you know, proper secure answer, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm legally bound. I'm on the hook if it ever goes bad, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, mean, I've had, the, I've had that conversation I want to with people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've had people, I've had that conversation where people are like, yeah, don't, I will, I, I'm not going to have my stuff sent to open AI. I'm like, yeah, I don't agreed. <laughs> don't. And, you know, I, that's your stuff. I get it. Yeah. I wouldn't yep. even, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's tougher to do it, you know. The, I mean, that's, again, you know, that's another thing. It's like all the examples out there, especially for these abstraction frameworks, you know, they're all geared towards uh, OpenAI first and foremost. They support everything else, of course. But when they're tutorial, when you look at their, like a good example would be, uh, you know, fine, I'll be transparent. I messed with SageMaker a lot, right? Um, mm -hmm. Well, there's a problem with that though, because you got to do embeddings, right? So if you want to like use RAG, you got to be able to store data in an embedded format that matches up with what it's expecting. Um, luckily, I was able to get away with not using SageMaker embeddings and going a different route. But man, just that thing alone with an abstraction 
sort of framework becomes a fucking nightmare to get working right, you know, to get the, the inputs and the outputs streamed in the right format and making sure that the content that's coming through makes sense because you're going to be using it as, as a potential answer for a question. Yeah. Um, it's very tough, you know, it's very tough. So, uh, that none of the examples really help you, um, you kind of end up going through a lot of, like I said, man, a lot of the documentation, a lot of GitHub issues. Um, this is, it's, it's, it's a whole new world. So it's, it's a tough one. I enjoy it. I, I do wonder if SAS will make it, you know, we, I know you mentioned maybe predictions for 2024. It's not a prediction for 2024, but I do wonder sometimes like if SAS is going to make it long-term just because all it's doing is like pattern recognition and like per AI is pretty great at that, man. It's pretty yeah. wonderful at it. Um, especially as you turn those knobs and you, you augment with your own data. I do want to play with that OWASP BERT LLM. I, I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with it. Have you gotten no. any time with no. it? No, no. Like I said, I, I mean, I disconnected pretty hard after, after my Q4, uh, you know, fog lifted for a little bit. Now I'm, I'm having to come out of the fog now to figure out exactly where all the, you know, where business and projects are at. Um, so I haven't, right. Like that's, that's definitely going to be Q1 for, us for our my team over here is figuring out you know hey what is it that we can do how can we use each of these different llms i haven't even played like what what is the OWASP one that you're talking about it's called OWASP BERT um BERT E E R T it's basically yeah it's an llm trained with OWASP's data so it's got all its cheat sheet data information oh. and guides and all kinds of you know basically everything OWASP puts out there so it's trained on that, <clears throat> which is awesome. You know, like, especially if you want to uh, have a, a AppSec specific uh, LLM task questions against, but uh, I can't recommend it yet. Cause I haven't played with it too much on my, my end. Cause uh, you know, it, it, again, it, there, there's, there's, I, I, without giving away too much, there's some, I mean, I'll tell you privately, but you know, uh, in terms, in terms of getting away what LLM I'm using a lot of stuff, uh, yeah, staying a little private with that, but uh, in any case, the LLM I'm using is optimized heavily for code. You could probably figure that out. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's very it's very very interesting um, space. But it's just very tough. But anyways, that was my holiday break. Sadly, I mean, I pretty much just. It's funny. It wasn't much different from a normal. You know, I was like, I worked out in the morning, morning. like I'm supposed to. <laughs> did the did the work all day. You know, mm. apologized to my family up and down that like I was stuck in my office, but you know they understand. Small sacrifices, right? Um, yep. And then, uh, and then my uh, my jujitsu coaches were out uh, uh, for a week, and so I just took over and ran all the open mats at night. And so if you don't follow jujitsu or do any of that, it's just. Uh, just sparring for two hours. So yeah, that was basically it. Just doing jujitsu, working out and working. That's cool. Oh, and That's I, cool. uh, cool. I fought a bird on Christmas. I don't know what it is with me and birds, man. You fought a bird. I fought a bird <laughs> on that, Christmas day, man. Things that can hate birds. Got it on Christmas. <laughs> Ironically, I love birds. I actually love birds and they don't love me, man. I don't know what it is. Um, this thing got in the house in the basement where I have a sliding glass door. I left it open. Totally my fault. Uh, mm -hmm. but then it wouldn't leave and I needed to go to bed and it's like pooping all over the house, flying everywhere. It came, it came in through the sliding glass door in the basement, but then it like flew up into the first floor and then onto the second floor and, uh, into my bedroom. Uh, and, uh, so my wife and I pretty much spent, 
like the entire night trying to trap this thing. We ended up getting it and I released it. No birds were harmed too much. I did try to shoot it with a not anything serious Nerf gun to try and like uh, get it out of some spots that I was trying to get it unstuck. Anyways, man, it was, a, it was six hours, man. It was six hours of that. I, th I thought I couldn't go to bed. So anyways, it was, it was very harrowing. Not how you'd expect to spend Christmas, but here we are, Seth. That's how, that's how it went down. That's a, that's a, yeah. I, I just posted a you know, <laughs> in chat. That's what I'm expecting is you fighting a bird on Christmas. That's amazing. Oh, that's great. Um, awesome. Uh, let's see what else is, is going on. I, I, I mean, you know, we, you and I have been to paying attention to news, obviously like it's, you know, it's it sounds like you had a good, you know, break at least like productive. Um, one of the things that is nice when you're in that development mode is, the distractions seem to disappear a little bit around the holiday times, holidays, just from other people, right? Like everybody's kind of doing their own family thing. Everybody's doing something else. And it is a good time to do research. Um, I do miss the days when I, you know, I didn't have as much to do over that time. And you could really dig into like the Sands holiday hack fest or whatever it is, right? Like, or some of the CTFs that go on between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, it's still on my bucket list at some point to go to the Chaos Computer Congress and, you know, in Northern oh, yeah. Germany. Okay, man. But it, it's, but it's the same thing, right? Like it's the week between Christmas and New Year's and it's really hard to disconnect when you do have other things that are going on. Um, so it'd be interesting, like, you know, let us know in, in Slack what everybody else got up to over the, the holiday break, what, um, you know, what research or what articles you were following. Uh, we'll pop a couple of them up here um, just to talk about today, um, you know, in the next half hour, you know, for the rest of this episode. Um, I was digging through specifically, Ken, hold on, which one was I looking at? Um, I don't know. You know, where do you want to start? What what piqued your interest while outside of LLMs while we were out? Yeah, um, that was pretty much all. I couldn't think about anything else. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good articles. Um, so like, yeah, I, I think uh, the first one. Going back to the list, the first one would be the uh, Rust Foundation one. I thought was the most interesting from a technical perspective. Um, yeah. Kind I'll of a breakdown. I didn't get a huge chance to really. Um, I mean, I kind of skimmed it, but it seems okay. like they're basically trying to. Uh, yeah, I'll let you summarize that, <laughs> and I'll. You want me to post the link? Oh, you got it. Okay, I got. Well, it. I can post I it in it. Slack if you want. Okay. Um, yeah, I, and so basically, what's going on here is that Rust is talking through their. They're building a proposal out for artifact signing. Um, so recognizing and. You and I have had this discussion before, right? Like we talk a lot about package managers and the security supply chain or supply chain security, how we are seeing attacks against the supply chain. It's watering hole attacks because everybody uses those developers specifically, CI, CD pipelines when they pull those packages down. There's ways to execute code. We see these in... Um, bug bounty reports, um, you know, over and over again, right? Like... In, uh, organizations just struggle on how to secure this, right? So Rust is going a step further to actually secure the pipeline, right? By signing packages. Now this doesn't mean that uh, there's not going to be vulnerabilities that pop through, um, especially somebody that is targeting or trying to do namespace confusion, namespace attacks, 
um, or, you know, take over someone else's environment. One of the things that you can actually do, though, is you can start to pin your CICD pipeline and, you know, your packages to specific signatures, right? That's the idea is we've got, you know, uh, a public key infrastructure that's out there. You can pin to, hey, this is signed by Rust, or you can pin to specific, hey, these developers actually signed it. So um, this would eliminate someone um, maliciously taking over an account, right, on the package repository, pushing out new packages that are signed with a new key that you don't recognize and you haven't accepted, your CI/CD pipeline, your development machines, machines would not actually accept those packages without the proper signature in place. Um, this is also going to eliminate some of that internal package repository confusion, like dependency confusion that happens because I could pin to, hey, I know that my organization is always using this specific key to sign. So even if a package, there's a duplicate package that's out in a public repository, right, um, that is malicious, that's targeting, you know, Apple, this was, you know, Apple and those other large organizations that got exploited by dependency confusion, the CICD pipeline would not accept that package because it wasn't signed by the proper authority, right. Um, so again, there's, there's kind of multiple facets and multiple attacks that it is a, eliminating when you start to talk about the use of public private keys and package signing and package checks. But it's still going to require some work by the DevOps people, by developers, to make sure that you are checking proper uh, signatures, right? That, that's always the, the issue that we run into here is people turn this off for you know, ease of, yeah, ease of porting, ease of usability, what have you. And if somebody figures that out, they can still get around it. Um, but it is, I, again, another arrow in your quiver as far as like preventing dependency confusion attacks. Um, I think you'll see this start to happen for other other package repositories. I, I mean, Ken, you were more intimately involved with NPM than you are with uh, with Rust or with the crates. Um, yeah. Like, was this was this a discussion that you guys ever had over there um, when you were in the in the in the discussions? I guess. Yeah, no, they 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 had those discussions, and I observed. But uh, I don't remember. Sorry, my memory is really hazy on on outcomes there and and decisions made. I think this is interesting though that there there's a few things like for one, four years ago they started on an RFC for this, um, mm -hmm. which they linked to in this article, and uh, didn't have a bandwidth for it. But that's it's pretty interesting. They're going that route. They said they are doing this because they have. Uh, some government, like you said, corporate and government users of Rust. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, uh, as I look at this, though, uh, so where, where, like, I don't know, I haven't looked into the actual specifications, so I'm not sure, like, if I understand yet, like, where keys are being stored, um, what that process looks like, how secure that is. Um, da -da -da. I mean, I like uh, broad, broad strokes is awesome. It's great. Um, curious though, obviously how it's going to be implemented and then what uh, the threat model on, on, on that looks like. And, you know, if there's still some, some potentials for, you know, like an ATO to still ha have uh, some sort of uh, impact on, on key, on the validity of the keys or 
Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I should read this specification more before I can really comment on anything. Um, yeah. Too technical. Too depth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, neat, I mean, though. it's good. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I like the idea, right? Like, I, I mean, I don't think it's a revolutionary discussion, right? Uh, you know, the, the release or whatever it is, you know, they're talking about how they're going to be implementing and how they're moving through this process. Um, it is, I, I mean, it's more of iterative, iterative approach to supply chain security. Like that, that's definitely where we've got to get to because we've got to ensure that packages and scripts and and this becomes the other question that I have is right like you've got okay there's the binary itself and we've always like kind of done checksums and other things with the 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 package that's being delivered like Rust how much of the the rest of that packument though is actually signed right the the pre and post install scripts, the metadata that's associated with that packages. It is, is it part of that signature? Is that also being checked? Um, you know, there's, it, again, you go to the details, right, Ken? That's, as, and that's kind of what I'm getting at as well. If the details aren't secure, that's where we, that's where we make mistakes and where the, you know, vulnerabilities start to pop up. Well, you know, actually I misunderstood uh, some portion of this. And so I'll, I'll back up here because yeah, like that was what I was referring to was what this uh, last statement or this sentence under the crate section says, which says, you may have noticed that this doesn't address crate signing by authors. For more detail on that, see the future possibility section. Um, mm -hmm. It's more just making sure that we've given a checksum, we've signed, given a checksum, and that that checksum matches up with what you're expecting and pinning to in CI. So that that all sounds very, very awesome, but also like we should be doing that everywhere, right? For every ecosystem. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and, I, and again, like we talked about it a few weeks ago, not to bring, because I'm not trying to bring it back to that, but uh, we did talk about how this is going to impact now with AI stuff, how that's the similar, you know, it happened with Docker's ecosystems. It, it's it's happened with uh, libraries you include in your software dependencies. Now it's going to be, you know, models and all the tooling around that um, similar thing, right? So Hugging Face just went through this, um, this being, you know, an issue with uh, stolen or modified LLMs uh, with stolen tokens. It's going to happen everywhere. But anyways, I, I like to see that, uh, I like to see that someone's taking a proactive approach on this. This is this is cool. Um, yeah. Well, uh, and I mean to to that to that point too. Uh, they reference the you know the supply chain integrity efforts of OpenSSF, um, and this is you know I posted it there. It's it, it's over a year old, but the idea, you know, it's building on top of this you know S two C two F right secure supply chain consumption framework right. Um, and the different levels that are, you know, associated with that. So advanced threat defense, digitally signed, rebuilt, operate, you know, OSS, open source software. Um, you know, some of this is, you know, are you're seeing the start of Rust specifically and crates actually implement what these specifications are going to be over time. Um, and again, it's iterative, right? It's iterative. It, uh, yeah. Um, cool. And yeah, like hugging face, like we're, I think we're going to see more and more of this start to pop up. Um, but, and you know, that being more, more, uh, protections on, uh, supply chain stuff. I, I think more protections, but also more attacks, right? Like the, 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 
the watering hole. Um, yeah, the, the watering hole attacks or the, the surface that are actually exposed by the different package managers is it's just too tempting, right? Um, mm. It's the same reason that we target updates or people target updates. They put, they target other things is there's just so much software and there's so much kind of collateral damage that happens if you can exploit um, a popular package, right? If I can take over a popular package that has 100, 200, 300 million, whatever, right? Like downloads, a, you know, a month, then that's, the possibility that I can exploit that many different systems. Um, it's an amplification effect. Right? Same reason that we see malware that targets, you know, still targets, you know, uh, Windows is because it's the most popular operating system that's out there. So if I'm going to put effort into it, what am I going to target? So yeah, from a prediction perspective, um, yes, like, I don't think there's not going to be a lot of people that target uh, Rust specifically, but uh, NPM by and far will be the most targeted package manager out there. Just always will be given the number of people that use it, the number of packages and you know the dependencies that exist. And I, I, I don't know. Okay, so that's one of my predictions, I guess, is we'll see an increase in supply chain security, but we'll also see an in increase in attacks. Uh, what about you? What is, what is one of your predictions for 2024? You know, oh, I don't know if I have anything novel, you know, I mean, I've, I'm watching, it's funny because last year, this time it would have been like, oh, Web3 is like uh, the big thing this year. And uh, so now, uh, now, you know, AI is the big thing, right? And so you're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of like the prompt injection stuff. And I've seen like, actually during the break, I saw a lot of different um, attacks and articles about compromises and and all that so i, I, I of course i want to say that that's that's something we're going to see a heavy heavily you know both research and then companies coming out because like to 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 you know prevent um malicious activity to secure those products and i say that knowing that last year at the innovation sandbox i think it was uh at rsa hidden layer um it was the first company i'd seen who was there to protect your your, your data and, and make sure that, uh, I don't know if it's just your data. I, I can't remember, honestly. Uh, if it, I know it's some part of it's making sure the data is like, you know, not tampered with and all that stuff. Um, so you don't get back garbage stuff, but I, I don't remember if there were, I'm sure there were other things it was doing. I just, I can't remember in detail. And also they only give you like, I don't know, two, a couple minutes to pitch your, your thing, which makes sense, but that's, that's how long they give you. So you don't get like obviously huge, uh, amounts of detail, um, what I would like to see, I don't have a prediction, but what I would like to see is more um, on that same note, companies like Pangea, who was also at the Innovation Sandbox, uh, come out of the woodwork. Because I think one thing I really liked about uh, Pangea's model was they had, a, a, you know, the AAA as a service, essentially, you know, mm -hmm. audit, um, auditing, authentication and authorization as a service, uh, stuff that's hard for people to traditionally get done um, well. And especially if you're like a smaller company. So I think that that's something that's pretty interesting. Uh, I guess, you know, for me, I, I'm curious, like what, uh, what frameworks become kind of more popular this year? You know, I know uh, last year, Next.js was, was the one that people started yeah. to really lean into. And, um, 
And by the way, on the note of hidden layer in Pangea, for those that don't know or are just joining, Seth and I don't have any relationship with those companies. We don't take any sponsorship or anything like that from them. I just, you know, I saw their names and what they did. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Next.js will be the thing or because Laravel actually had some, or I don't know if I'm saying that right, Laravel, Laravel. Uh, mm-hmm. That had like a lot of uptick, it seemed like. But yeah, I don't know what 2024 will, will bring in that yeah. regard. Well, I'm, I mean, I've, I've actually seen, like I'm with you on the, you know, as far as frameworks go, uh, like it, it's really hard to predict where things are going to spin. Um, Next.js, uh, I honestly, I've seen a, a lot more of that the last half of 2023. Um, and, it, and even in the beginning of 2023 is when it started to pop up for us um, as far as a UI framework. Um, if you've if you've never played with it here, I'll, we'll have to post a link about it. Uh, Next.js is really interesting because it is it almost is pushing back to this you know, this monolith idea that you develop in one framework and half you know it's both UI and server in the same development framework, and then depending on how you deploy, it goes to you know it, it's either the server side or the you know, the UI side. So it's React on the front end, it's NPM on the back end, um, and it has all of these hooks and it makes it easy for developers. Um, I don't know if I told you this, like we had like one client that accidentally specified a private key. It was a Web3 company, like specified a web, uh, a, uh, one of their private keys that was used to actually push things and interact with smart contracts on on chain. Right, they accidentally pushed that into the public uh, portion of Next.js, and it got deployed as a part of the UI, as instead of just to the server itself. Right, like so, like there's there's gotchas that come with using those sorts of frameworks that would have never happened had they had a strict separation between, hey, this is React and this is like npm behind the scenes, right? Like or you know whatever it is, right? Or Node, right? Node.js, and you know, but like so, we're we're, we're going to have those those problems that exist, right? Because we are trying to, hey, we're simplifying things for developers, but it's also fuzzing those lines between what is it that I'm doing that's actually UI specific, what is it that I'm doing that's actually server specific. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, so, that's that's because I know it's very opinionated, and like you put stuff in specific places, and then it gets it just kind of does all the magic abstraction for you, it makes everything pretty pretty nice and pretty neat but uh uh .net blazer is also going down the road of mixing ui and server ooh interesting yeah. i have not seen .net or you've seen this maybe seth actually actually I, this isn't the first time that it's come up in the last couple of months right like .net blazer is also you know it and again i i think they've seen like nextjs like the popularity there they're trying to make it easier on developers scott thanks for that call out right like .NET Blazor, it's the same thing. It's just targeting a different, you know, it's targeting .NET in this case and IIS behind the scenes, um, building out the same sort of UI uh, server split just based on how the deployment model exists. So your security controls are really like, it used to be air-gapped, right? We start talking about these frameworks and it used to be air-gapped between, oh, here's the repository for my server-side API. Here's the repository for my UI. And the two don't meet, right? Until you actually do a deployment, right? Um, but with these frameworks, what we're doing is we're pushing security. Now that they're intertwined, we are depending more on DevOps and DevSecOps specific, 
specifically and those frameworks to separate out the these components in you know in a production environment and a staging environment what have you um and it's going to be easier from a configuration perspective to make the sort of mistakes like i was referencing uh where you know hey i accidentally assigned this to the wrong variable to the wrong environment um, to the wrong file and it gets deployed in production and i don't actually see it it's no longer a coding perspective a coding mis mistake per se it's now a configuration issue um, and this, I mean, this goes back to our code review, like methodology, right, Ken, right? Like knowing what the framework is and where those gotchas are uh, is critical to actually securing those applications. Because uh, that's where we see quite a bit of that actually happening, especially in a SaaS environment, like with AWS and other things, like it's very easy to actually make those mistakes. Yeah, man. So I'm actually kind of, uh, that's why with the thing I'm building, you know, that's part of it is being, we've talked about this, being able to like point at a, uh, uh, like a, like Blazor's docs or Next.js and then just import all that stuff into a vector format and then just like ask questions against that vector format. Um, and, and say like, is this within line with what the expectations should be for this, this thing? It, pretty wild world, pretty, pretty neat stuff. But, uh, Anyways, yeah, uh, yeah. Doc documentation, uh, making sure what, what's going out the door aligns with that documentation and then, you know, sort of finding the corner edge cases, nuances, since we always talk about framework nuances, you know, good way to speed well, that up. I, I, I mean, honestly, like my, my, so I've been using VTM, right? Like the walkthroughs that we always do in the course with VTM. Um, I've been using that as my test bed um, against some of those, Right, like building out a you know a chat in or uh, yeah a chat bot um, uploading a zip file um, telling you know configuring the chat bot to be like hey you are an expert in Python security Django security like let me know like what are the specific issues and how to actually spin through that and from an information gathering perspective right like what it is that takes us a while right like it's going to be interesting as we rebuild the the course or as we're you know as we're starting to introduce some of these new ideas into it how quickly it actually goes because it does speed up that process um yeah i know i no longer have to go dig through django documentation i just go to that chatbot and even if i'm not then th this is how we've been using it right like because we haven't integrated completely hey i'm going to give like code to you know open ai but I can go configure a chatbot and tell OpenAI, hey, you're an expert, like learn how to actually, you know, build out those, uh, you know, uh, those prompts, right? To ask OpenAI what it knows about specific, about Django specifically, right? Like, hey, you know, give me the, the, the rundown on, and this is for VTM, right? Like, because that's been my test bed, but give me the rundown on what security looks like, right? Like, you already, you know, you've already consumed all the Django security documentation. What are the gotchas? What what is it that I should be looking for when it comes to SQL injection, right? And it'll spit that back way quicker than me actually digging through Django documentation, um, especially if I already have told it this is the framework version. These are the libraries that are loaded. Um, there's it, it's it's so much. Quicker, yeah. It's right? The context tag that you usually provide, yeah, you, you put all that stuff in the context tag, you get 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 some deep. That's the crazy part, man. Is like in the past, you need like a team of researchers to to do all this stuff. Um, 
yeah. compile this information, find these gotchas, blah, blah, blah. I mean, not that you don't still obviously need that um, to some degree, obviously, but man, it's it, it's pretty powerful. And actually, this is another thing too, uh, since we're on the, the, the topic of uh, this and then um, 2024 predictions, I don't know if everybody else has experienced this, but I've been using Copilot for quite a while now. Um, mm -hmm. And I get a sense of fatigue sometimes with it. Um, and I don't know if it's if it's going to be if this is going to be something where if it fatigues what, what do you, other what, developers. What do you mean by fatigue? Yeah, yeah so sometimes, um, well, for one, it, it, like it'll pop up my IDE covering and completely obfuscating the code that I'm working on, or it'll immediately start expanding it out, and it, it actually kind of like starts to mess with my brain because I'm like, wait, that's not what I want to write, and like now I'm like looking at the st stuff you're doing and and sometimes it's, it's okay and sometimes sometimes it's great sometimes it's very accurate and wonderful um sometimes it's kind of like whoa no and then sometimes it's just completely wrong um mm -hmm. but i think it, that's all getting um the downsides are not like i'm not really even talking about its accuracy and what it's producing because that's that's getting better and better i feel like with time it's actually just it, the way that it works and in, in, inside the ide where it's like where it's like interrupting my, I guess it's interrupting my flow. And maybe I, I it's probably my own fault because like I get interrupt, like I get uh, off track very easily, you know, never been diagnosed formally with anything, but uh, it's very easy to get distracted by shiny things. And that's a shiny thing all the time. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I just, I, I question if you'll see anybody else talking about maybe some fatigue with the product. Uh, and yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think, know. I think with predictive, predictive text in general, right? Like it's very easy to go down those rabbit holes, you know, or side quests, right? Like, you know, however you want to yeah. call it. Right. Um, because I, you know, I, I've had it do that multiple times as well. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily fatigued with it, but it's also not because I'm, I'm also not developing on a daily basis, like producing huge amounts of code. Um, you know, uh, like for, for me, it's definitely a, Hey, it's still, you know, a novel thing when I'm in there and it's able to yeah. speed up my process. Um, and I'm able to ignore it because I'm usually like, I'm very scoped as far as like, Oh, I've got to go accomplish this thing because I've got to get back to client work or whatever it is. I'm not necessarily a developer, but I can see it going that route pretty easily. Um, because the, you know, the, I, I mean, it's a large language model. It's predicting, right? Like, oh, what is the what is the token, or what are the tokens that are the highest probability of uh, what you intended based on what I know? Right? That's like that's a very very simplistic explanation of a large language model, um, but it works, right? Like, you know, so if you have something that hits a ninety nine point eight percent versus ninety nine point five percent, it's going to show the ninety nine point eight percent even though maybe the, you know, the token that was at 97% is what you intended as a developer. And so it's almost getting in your way. Yes, it's speeding things up, but it can get in your way as well. Um, especially when it's producing large, large blocks of text, like you're saying, right? Like when those functions are way out of whack, um, escape or, you know, whatever else becomes a very handy thing, but it, it can take away from your development time and spin you into places that you probably don't want to go. I mean, I would, I would say I'm keeping it right. Like I'm not at all. I mean, I'll, I'll, I still like it and still use it, but I just know at times I'm like, 
maybe today I pause it, you know, because sometimes it does become a bit, a bit much. Um, but overall, I'd say, yeah, good, good addition. And I like it. Um, and I think GitHub just released a chat thing for it too, GitHub Copilot chat, uh, which I think you can chat from your ID. I don't know. I skimmed, I skim a lot. Um, so that's cool. Well, that's that, that, an additional that, thing. that was it, right? Um, uh, they just released Microsoft Copilot, right? Um, did you see that? Um, yes, Microsoft I did, Everyday AI. I, I found it interesting that they were using the term Copilot again, right? Um, yes. For for basically a, an AI app that is for iOS and Android, right? Um, if I'm unless I'm wrong, um, that was. Anyway, I, I don't know. You if sound like you know more than I do, so I don't know. I can't tell you you're wrong if you're wrong. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, we have the internet, so that's good. <laughs> I have I to Google log it. in to look it up, right? Like that's what that's what I was just doing was googling it, introducing your copilot for work, right? Okay, let me drop the official. And this wasn't one that I intended to talk about today, but you know, now that we're on that path, um, let me drop it in there. Yeah. That's kind of hard not to. I mean, this is kind of dominating the, the 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 world right now. I mean, from a security perspective, from a from every from every, honestly from like every angle, really. But okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, age of co-pilots. Uh, da, 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 da. It's I I mean they they basically yeah the blogs that blog I guess that was that was a long time ago that that uh, Microsoft 365 co-pilot came out. Never mind. So what is the, what oh the man, did one? you see the whole blue about Dropbox? So Dropbox had, uh, Dropbox had, uh, overnight, uh, added like, um, I don't know, some kind of widget advanced thingy, but said it's backed by AI. Um, and people were not happy because all of a sudden all the stuff you're storing on Dropbox is going off to, and they were like, and it wasn't because they went to an LLM. It's because they specifically went to open AI. I have an article about this actually. Was reading about it, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yikes! Uh, I think you know. I think I got that from a hacker newsletter. Um, that article, so credit where credits due. But if I can find it, I'll. Yeah, the AI trust uh, crisis. There AI trust crisis. I, I mean, honestly, it's because we're in the again the AI hype cycle. Um, just the, the number of times that I had family, like people that aren't in the tech space, actually bring up. Um, chat GPT over the holidays. I, like that's always fascinating to me uh, is you get to family parties and other things and how much of what we do on a daily basis actually bleeds into like, the, those conversations, right? Um, and how much they should actually use it because I, you know, I've got a lot of family members that are in academia and that is their big discussion point with chat GPT um, is how how much people are using it to write papers for them or where what's appropriate to actually be using. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard question to answer when it can be such a good thing, right? Like we don't want to turn people off. AI trust crisis, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's actually interesting because they go and it's not just that they talk about like Facebook's, um, they liken, it becomes almost a psych psychological 
breakdown of, of how humans you know, trust in general. But uh, they mentioned like, uh, and you know, actually I just went through this over the Christmas break. Um, we mentioned some word and then all of a sudden got a bunch of ads for it. And it goes back to that, is Facebook spying on you through your phone thing? The article talks about, you know, the reasons why that isn't true. It's been disproven, some podcasts and the ramifications, If even if it were true, the ramifications for Facebook, who's been like, or I guess meta, um, you know, adamant they don't do that and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be huge, not worth it. And uh, eventually somebody would whistleblow, it's too big of a company. Um, mm-hmm. So, which are all good points, but the fact remains that doesn't mean anything, right? We can do all that rationale and, and all that, you know, give, present facts, but at the end of the day, uh, people are going to feel how they feel. And um, if you, they have no rational explanation or, you know, just, I don't know, it just, that's how they're going to feel. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that this is the, the sentence that I just dropped up there, you know, sticks out to me because this is definitely the, um, the, the sentiment that I get from people outside of the tech space is key issue here is the same as open as the open AI training issue. People don't believe these companies when they say they aren't doing something. Yeah. Trust has been lost. Yeah. And, and, and Mm -hmm. I mean, rightfully so, right? Like people have been burned so many times by, Hey, I'm protecting your data. Oh, wait, here's a letter about how you were breached and my data just, you know, it's now on the, you know, the dark web, right? Like, you know, and it's happened over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter the regulations that have been put into place. It doesn't matter what else, like what they've been saying from a marketing speak perspective, because um, like we've taught people not to trust, uh, based on the interactions of the past. I, like, I don't know how to get around that, but that's definitely the case. Ironic that we would be the ones trying to get people to trust anything mm-hmm. or promoting that in any case. But um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the article talks about just sort of like, um, at the end of the day, you know, large LLMs uh, are more performant. And so, you, you know, privacy is, is you, you're weighing the, the efficiency and, and how well it performs with the, the privacy aspects. But the truth is, I don't think that's going to be much of a thing for much longer because these models are getting smaller and smaller and performing at a higher and higher level. Um, the cost to run them is getting cheaper and cheaper. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of one of those well, things where it's just... Yeah, so and this, I don't think it's going to be a, even a maybe even a thing to think about in the near very near future. Probably just yeah. like, well, run your own, it's fine. Yeah, well, and that that that's what it's going to come down to. And this is this is where I like when the initial hype cycle started, where like I felt like things were going to go. So I guess this is another one of my predictions, right? Is um, models are going to splinter, right? And you're already seeing this if you look at Hugging Face or whatever else it is. And organizations are going to be um, promoted or demoted, right? Like based on how well they are able to train their AI. Um, So like us as a consulting organization or you as dry run security, like being on top of that and being able to train your own local AI to do very specific tasks will be advantageous to you as an organization or to us as an organization. And that is what going to be a key business driver for us in the future. Hmm. I don't know if that's going to be 2024, but it is coming. 
right? Like we're going to have our own models. They're going to they're going to be disparate. They're going to be trained um, to the specific use cases or to the company use cases that we have, and that is going to we're going to have to live and die by that training that we perform and how we actually use those models. Um, organizations that don't have that sort of a you know outlook or don't actually train or are using generic models will probably suffer in the future. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they pro probably will. And I, and if you don't, or if you just don't, I mean, I think it would, I forget, oh man, I forget the DevOps conference um, where this was said, but it was uh, essentially, it was like to those companies that are like, ah, oh, we have a no AI policy, like shouldn't work there is what they said to the audience. Because like, they're, they're, they're <laughs> just, just don't it's, work yeah. there like and it's yeah it's they're kind of killing themselves i mean everybody's gonna find it find a use to which is nice it'll be interesting to see what we uh what we're able to focus on um and where yeah. we put our efforts as human beings when um some of the more common you know current modern day uh rigmarole just goes goes away yep uh, so that'll be nice. That'll be nice to be, to be freed up a little bit to, uh, to focus on some of the harder problems. Yeah. So yep. I guess it just kind of, you know, goes full circle into uh, sort of maybe just more of the product security side of things versus, uh, you know, AppSec janitor like I've been my, my most of my uh, career. <laughs> um, cool. Well, so I don't, yeah, no, 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 like uh, amazing predictions. Just hope the, I didn't hear, here's an aside from outside of AppSec. Can the world just be okay in 2024? Can we just calm the yeah. fuck down for a That's moment good. and just yeah. like relax, you know, just, you know, just, I don't know. It'd be, be nice to like, be good to each other. Like yeah. Normal, yeah. Just a normal year, just average. Just, <laughs> wait, wait, we're going to go back to nothing that, uh, notable. Seth and Ken's excellent adventures just be excellent to each other, right? Like, you know, let's yes. just, yeah. just be excellent yeah. to each other, dudes. <laughs> to each other. Yeah. And dudettes. Dudettes. <laughs> just peoples and generals. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That would be great. That would be great. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it. I, we, you and I have been talking for an hour. Obviously, we could, you know, go longer, but we'll be back next week. Um, in the meantime, jump into Slack. There's probably going to be a lot, quite a few articles and other things posted, and the the conversation will continue there, um, as it always does. And yeah, otherwise, yeah, I think that's everything for oh, today, Ken. Yeah, actually, um, let's throw out one other thing too. Uh, okay, because we do have some people that are newer to AppSec joining us now. Um, not you know, it's, this isn't the first time that's that's come up recently. Um, let us know if there's anything that we could, I mean, we're always, because again, because there's this channel's growing, we have more subscribers and people that aren't as familiar with us and as familiar with the last six years of work. And before that, that we've done, we're always willing to show you things too. you know, open up our keyboard and share our screen and start showing things um, too. So, you know, this is a good time to, to tell us what you'd like to see, what topics you'd like us to cover, what tools you might want us to demo anything like that. Um, obviously after six years, it's never bad to get ideas from the audience as to, to what we could be doing. And, um, like I said, it's a great time to tell us. So you can email us at info at apps. Uh, yeah, it's info at absolute You can go on our Slack channel join us there. You can DM us there. You can throw it into the general random channel, wherever you want. Um, however you want to give us that feedback. 
and as always, if there are any guests that you'd like to see, send that our way as well. Yep. All right. Cool. All right. Well, good deal. Thanks, everybody, for joining today. Um, we'll catch you all online. And otherwise, you know, have a great new year. Happy New Year as it is. And you know, good luck in your endeavors over the over the course of this year.